Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Um, No, I'm so glad to see everybody. You know what? I think we've doubled our attendance from this time last July. (laughs) So (laughs) it was me, Amos, Jojo, the baby, and um, like five others. So this is totally epic. No, it's really good to be worshiping all together. And um, I I just felt like today in worship, it didn't feel like we were in a hurry or we had to get anything done. It was just time to rest and be with the Lord. And so Amos, thank you for leading us in that. That was awesome. Um, So we are in week, wait, this is the end of week three of Rooted Summer. And if you're like, well, I didn't get started with Rooted Summer, so I guess I'll just catch you in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it used to work. But um, this Monday, we're restarting the book of John again. So the goal is to be reading through the book of John actually four four times this summer because the last week we're trying to read the entire book, um, which is 21 chapters. Um, But I will tell you, I'll be really honest with you and tell you that I have been making my way through John a little bit slower than I prescribed here because it is just so rich. I just can't rush. I can't get through it as quickly as I even told you to get through it. So if you want to join us for Rooted Summer and you haven't yet, um, we're starting in John 1 again tomorrow. And um, our encouragement, oh, by the way, listening counts. So if you want to just listen to Audible or um, the Bible app has a bunch of different translations that are read by readers, you can absolutely do that instead. And I've used that to catch up more than a couple of times. Um, But we do encourage you to pick a different translation each time you go through the book of John because different translations tend to just hit us a little bit differently. So there's more of these cards out on the back. Um, They have little check marks. So if it's helpful for you, you can check it off as the week goes on. And um, I started in the new international version and I'm trying to decide between the message or the passion translation for this next time through. Um, So that's what's going on with Rooted Summer. So today we're in John 15. So if you have your Bible with you or your Bible on a tablet or phone, go ahead and turn to John 15, and you can feel free to read it in whatever version you have been reading John in. I'm in the New International Version. And this uh, passage, of course, a lot of us have read before, I've read before, but um, it has kind of come to life for me in a new way, especially in this season And um, so I'm excited to share it with you. So we're going to be in John 15, 1 through 8. Um, Lord, I just ask that you would continue to be with us at this time. Lord, we know that it is your Holy Spirit that enables us to understand, that enables us to have ears to hear. And so, God, we offer you now our ears, our hearts, our minds, our eyes to see, Lord, what you're doing and what you're saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So John 15 says this, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So right away, Jesus is saying that he is the actual fruitful one, the one from which fruit comes. And this is another way of saying he's the Messiah. 
in, oh, I cannot believe I can't remember the address, but in the Old Testament, (laughs) needle in a haystack, no, but in the Old Testament, it says that a root is going to sprout from the stump of Jesse, who's David's father. Thank you, Isaiah 11. I was like, Isaiah, Jeremiah. One of those books where a lot of it's not great. There's a few chapters we really cling to. And um, so Isaiah 11. And so he's saying like, I am the true vine. Like I, I am that root that is going, that, that sprig, literally, that's gonna spring up from the stump of Jesse where it all has looked cut off. I'm going to be the true branch that's coming and growing and living Um, And then it says, my father is the gardener. And that's beautiful because a gardener plants and cultivates and tends and prunes and harvests. And I think God, the picture of God as a gardener gives such a familial, patient, tender picture of who God is to us. Um, he, he's not, you know, a, a threshing machine who's just churning so that the, the biggest harvest can happen. He's, he's not uh, someone who's just weeding the garden, just pulling up uh, anything that grows right and left, but he is the gardener. He's the one who plants, cultivates, tends, prunes, and ultimately harvests. So he's saying, even though I am the true vine, my father is the uh, constructor of it all. And then this verse, woo, put your big boy or girl whatever's on. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, first of all, what this means is that the father, the gardener, is looking, observing, uh, sifting the heart and cutting away that which is not bearing fruit in our lives. I mean, if it's not too good for Jesus, it's not too good for us. So we can expect this to happen. He sees, the gardener sees what is fruitful and good all the gifts that he's put in you, all the sacrifices that you've made and those things, he prunes. So there seem to be only two options in this verse here. One, you have branches that bear no fruit and those he cuts off, which is, I mean, right now I'm praying like, Lord, just cut it out, cut it off. Just if there's a branch in me that bears no fruit, I'm to the point now where I'm like, slice and dice, man, slice and dice. That's option one. (laughs) But option two is that every branch that does bear fruit, the things that are good, the natural gifts, the talents, the things that are going well, the things in which you shine, he will prune, which means cut back so that it will be even more fruitful. 
Those are the two options, cut off or cut back. Isn't that interesting? It's like, you're not getting away from those shears. <laughs> those shears are coming for you, right? But what I love about this is that these fruitful and good things, even, so, so it's, it's easy to look at the bad things in our lives, the things that aren't bearing fruit, and be like, Lord, cut it off and cut it out, right? Lord, I got angry at my children. Cut that, cut that root of anger off in me, right? Lord, I was angry at my husband or wife. Cut it off, cut it out, change me. But it's a whole nother matter to bring the good things to him and say, would you prune me so that I will bear more fruit? What this means is that rather than let the gifts, the sacrifices, and those good things, rather than let them run their natural course, he prunes them back. He lessens them for a time so that they can grow to be their most fruitful in us. And we've talked a lot over this last season about how American culture, as opposed to kingdom culture, is that everything is up and to the right, right? Everything should be growing. Everything should be increasing. Everything should be getting bigger and better. It is only spring and summer. But what this passage, what Jesus is saying, is that if you're not fruitful, it's fall and winter, and if you are fruitful, those things need their fall and winter too. There's another part in John where he says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce more seed. He was of course talking about himself, but it's the same theme here. The kingdom is often backwards to go forwards and down to go up. And it is so in competition with the culture around us that we have to be very careful to sift what we believe about how life should be, how God is in us, how church should be, and what we can expect in this life. This, uh, in this season, I'm reading The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And what he says, Pete Scazzaro says, is that we had to reorient. Well, we were going on this journey to emotional health and to truly making Jesus not work for him, but Jesus, the center of our world. We had to redefine what success meant because success had meant more people, more money, more outreach, just out and out and out and out and out, which is actually not the example Jesus gives us, I don't think, but he said we had to redefine success and success for us is now this, radically doing God's will. That is success. It's our only measure of success. Are we radically doing 
God's will. And that is exactly what Jesus is talking about. In verse three, he says, you, he's talking to his disciples, are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That word prunes also means clean. It doesn't mean clean like washing. It means like when you step back at your yard and you're like, yes, for this half hour, my garden beds are clean, right? It means things are cut down or your hedges are trimmed or anything else, right? He cleans, he prunes. So you are already clean. You are already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Now remember that the word that Jesus kept trying to kind of float to the disciples that they weren't so keen on was this lose your life to save it. I must die you know, all this kind of stuff that did not fit their success means a King David back on the throne picture. He said this word that he had been sharing with them about the kingdom, right? Because he talked about, I will die. He talked about, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have part with me. He loses like so many people. He feeds them, he gets them, he shares that. And they like, they, his disciples literally say to him, this is a hard word. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, that's crazy. No wonder everyone's running away from you. You know, the PR department would have, would have, would have figured out a better way to say that. Jesus don't care. He's radically doing God's will. Who stuck with him and who didn't? was like, that was not his problem. So he says, okay, he, said, he talks about dying, about communing, he, communion. He says the meek will inherit the earth. He says the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. Um, he says the last will be first. And this all has been his process of pruning their hearts. These hard words where they have to decide, will I keep walking with Jesus or is this too hard a word for me? And we all have those moments in our walks with God. Like this word is too hard for me. Every impure motivation and selfish ambition around following Jesus is methodically being exposed and cut away. And the apex of that will be Jesus' death on the cross. That is the ultimate pruning moment. Will you follow me here? He goes on to say, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He's saying, stick with me. And, and it's even closer than that. I remember my mentor, Tanya, when she would pray over me, especially if I was going through a hard time, she continually repeated this phrase. She would say, Lord, I pray that you and Eleanor would become so close that the lines between you begin to blur. Like that kind of intimacy with the person of Jesus. And it's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I only do what I see my father doing and I only say what I hear him saying. 
it's like you you literally start to to be so in line in such unity that there is a oneness that begins to happen. Imagine a branch cut off from the vine. I should have gotten a picture. So vine, and then there's a branch laying on the ground. And try as it might, it can't produce any fruit laying there on the ground, cut off from the vine. Lifeless, waterless, not connected. It is laughable, and so too it's laughable to think that we can produce life-giving fruit disconnected from the true vine. And I think what we can produce is good tokens, things that look like they're good, but what we cannot produce apart from remaining in Christ is eternal fruit, is life-giving fruit. So there are good things that can be accomplished, but can anything that we can accomplish on our own stand the test of time or offer true life? No, they're like a vapor. It's like, it's like a wisp of fog that's blown away. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is the true vine, the source. He is the daily bread and the living water. He promises that if we abide in him, remain in him, that we will produce much fruit. And the fruit that we produce when we remain in him can be truly life-giving and can be truly eternal in its scope unlike the fruit that we tried to produce apart from him. Now, the daily bread and the living water, the source of everything, this abiding, means to remain or make our home in. And I think what it speaks about is this kind of everywhere I am, I feel Christ in me and with me. So being with him isn't just, you know, reading our Bibles every day and checking off a box, but a true reorientation of what's most important to us and how we spend our lives. For the last 98 days, I've been doing this program called 75 Hard. And yeah, I know, I've been doing it for more than 75 days, but there's a phase two, all right? But um, the point is, is that uh, you read 10 pages a day, there's other things that go into it, but um, you're also supposed to have 10 minutes of what they call visualization, at which I roll my eyes. And I have been using 10 minutes a day to spend time in silence and solitude. It's very hard to be silent with my family around. Um, Silence and solitude. And this has never never in my 36 years been a part of my spiritual practice. Which is a shame, because for the first probably 1,900 years of church history, 
Silence was a huge part of worship. And monasticism was the movement to say, let's get away from the big cathedral and simply be alone with God, like Elijah and Jesus and Moses and all of these people who we think of as having these very deep relationships with him. So um, about a year ago, uh, not a year ago, anyway, last fall we did this with our staff team and we spent two minutes in silence and solitude. We were on a Zoom meeting. I was like, for two minutes, we're just gonna be quiet. We're gonna focus on our breathing. And if you need something to say to yourself, on the inhale, say Abba, and on the outhale, say Father. And for two minutes, we practiced silence and solitude. And when we were done, I was like, that was so great. And one of our team members said, that was really hard. And I was like, that is the world that we live in. That even two minutes of simply being present with God, nothing to do, no agenda, no distraction. Two minutes of that is hard. So for the last little bit here, I've been doing 10 minutes a day. And often I will focus on my breathing and I'll pick like two lines from my scripture reading out of John for that day. Like, you must increase and I must decrease. And meditate on that scripture and just be silent before God. And I will tell you, there is a level of knowing I am in God's presence all day long. How do we abide? How do we remain in Christ? Start with two minutes. Start with five minutes. Start with 30 seconds. Silence and solitude. And it is hard with a one-year-old and a five-year-old. Yes, it is. One time I tried to do it in my bed at night. I do not recommend it. (laughs) That was the close one. (laughs) But um, it is a beautiful thing. And then reading our Bibles every day. And I fessed up, guys. Usually in, in a single day, I'm not even getting through a chapter I'm getting through like 10 or 15 verses. And like I said, I am catching up on my walks by listening to John. But I'm reading until something blesses me, till I feel like I've taken something away, till I've heard the Lord kind of ring out a verse in my spirit. And doing that every day will change your life. It is part of remaining in him. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if we break this down and translate it, you know, the word ability or power is dynamis. And people are like, and that means dynamite. So it really means like, no, it just literally means the ability or the power. I'm not able, right? And what he's saying is apart from me, you are not able to do a thing. That is the literal translation of this verse. Apart from me, you don't have the ability to do anything. Do you feel offended? (laughs) I'm like, that pokes at me, Jesus. Apart from me, you are powerless. And I think how would the orientation of our lives change if when we woke up in the morning, we were 
filled with the courage to say to the Lord, apart from you, I am not able to do a thing. He says, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such, such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. He's saying, if you don't remain in me, if you aren't here attached to me, there's nothing growing. There's no purpose to the way in which you could be growing. It's just lifeless. It's just there. And I remember bringing a potted plant. So Amos says, I can't buy any more plants that are alive. They all have to be fake. He's like, you can buy more plants, but they have to be plastic. Because indoor plants, I kill. I just, I kill succulents. I, I, anything you can give me, I killed an air plant, I'll kill it. I know, eyebrows went up. But I took, <laughs> I took this potted plant to the fern seed because they famously will repot any plant for you for five bucks and you know put nice new stuff in it. So I bring it to them and I'm like, any chance that like this will survive? And so she pulls, it was like a tall one, she pulls one part of it out and she knocks it on the counter and it's, it sounds hollow. And she's like, nope, this one's a goner, right? And then she taps the two other kind of stems and she said, you know, this one sounds like there's still water in it. No leaves, no nothing. And she says, this one I'm not sure about. So we'll replant these two. So she replants it. She gives it love. You know, it's beautiful. Give her my five bucks. And she goes, hey, let me know how it goes. I'll be really interested to see if that thing flowers. Because it was like, this can really go either way, right? Even the expert is not sure if this thing will come back to life. And I think that is what I think of when I read this verse. Like, is there anything in there? Does it sound like there's water or we all dried up, just throw it away, you know? No, it never did flower again. <laughs> Yeah, nope, 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 nope. It's all bad. <laughs> uh, but I do have a beautiful fake banana leaf palm in its place. Um, thank you, Amazon. <laughs> but if, there's, if it's all dried up, you know, that is how the Bible describes us when we're not connected to Christ. Like you can stand there, you can take up space, but there is there, no living thing is gonna come from you. And especially as a parent, because to me that is my first most eternal work, I think I want what I do with my children to be eternal. I don't wanna just be a good mom that makes their life fun and safe. Though that's a step up, right? I mean, that's a good thing. But like, I want my work in their lives to be eternal work, to be fruitful work. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The word wish is fellow, which means, um, it's not a wish like wish upon a star. It's like whatever you will whatever you want to have happen. Um, uh, I believe it's the same word in John 3.16 that are, oh, not willing that any perish, but all to have eternal life. It's that same word there. So the idea is, 
is that when Jesus's words are in you and you're abiding in him, I think what's in our very will actually changes. Because now what I will, what I wish to have happen is that my children don't bow their knee to anyone or anything but Jesus. Like that's what I will when I am abiding in him. What I will is that conversations with neighbors over the fence would be the most important work I do for the kingdom. That playing with precious and, was that Aria? At kids soccer on Wednesday would have eternal reward. So it's not like he's just been talking about remaining in him and him remaining in us and then like, but then go ask for a Disney cruise and you will get it, right? No, he's saying when you're in this position, what you will will be what I will and you can go forward this way with me. Being connected to Jesus is more than just obedience and sacrifice. It's also power, which means that when we're remaining in him and when we're connected to him, he also offers us all that he has to be used for his will. But it's his power, not ours. So this is my Father's glory. This is to my Father's glory in verse eight, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I think it's very important that Jesus ends this idea this way. He's saying all of this I'm talking about, this remaining in me and things being cut off or things being pruned, all of it at the end It's about the Father's glory. You are not meant to be more fruitful for your own glory. And that is the thing I struggle with. I'm like, yes, Lord, prune me, make me more fruitful because then people will think that I am somebody or then people will think that I'm nice or then everyone will like me and if they don't, they're a horrible person, you know, because I've clearly been refined by you and I'm a very nice person. (laughs) this is in my heart of hearts how I think about even Jesus pruning me. It's like ultimately for my glory, but even Jesus Christ didn't want to be pruned for his own glory, but for the glory of the Father. That was his end goal. Even here, he isn't pursuing his own glory, but to glorify the Father. So too should we be focused on allowing the Lord to cut off What's dead? What is not serving the kingdom nor anyone? And to prune what is living and fruitful so that we can bear much fruit, not for our own good, but for him and for his glory. So like I said, you know, I want to bear fruit for God, but I also want people to see the fruit of the Lord from me. You know, I want people to see that. And that too needs to be cut out. (laughs) 
and my gifts need to be pruned. Like the disciples, we're called to face the hard words of Jesus and let ourselves be sifted by them so we can produce the kind of fruit that he wants. And in that pruning, in that saying yes to, in that being pruned, we are copying as our example the same inversion of wills that happened in the garden as Jesus was preparing for the cross. Yet not as I will, but your will be done. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So Amos, would you come up? We are gonna take communion together. You should have the cup on your seat. If you don't, put up your hand and dad will get you one. Tim, would you mind putting the lights down for us, please? Thank you. Today, we're just gonna take a moment to reflect on this idea that the Lord would be inviting us to be pruned. And maybe that the Lord would be inviting us to offer him the the opportunity to reorient us. What does success in my life look like? What does following him look like? Because the goal of radically doing God's will comes out of this remaining and abiding. It should be in the top. You have to peel it twice. Okay, Dad, would you? Okay, thanks. Can you play it, please? So as we prepare to take communion today, would you take the wafer And I think of all the things Jesus did for us, the most substantial, the one that we celebrate is that he allowed himself to be pruned for us. And so as you look at that wafer, I have found sometimes it's helpful for me to break it in half. Say this is what Jesus did to his body. This was the inversion of will, not just so that I could be saved from my sin, but also so that I could have an example of what it looks like to offer myself to God. So if you're ready, would you take the bread? And then this, this cup that we have, this juice representing Jesus's blood is our confession that 
there's nothing we can do and there's nothing we can produce. There's nothing that we can accomplish that would substantiate who we are. This blood is the only thing that can make us right. His sacrifice and his outpouring is what makes things right. And so if you're ready to make that confession, would you take the cup tonight? We're gonna just quickly sing one more song. And the goal tonight is to just present ourselves before God in a very simple confession. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it has always been you, Jesus. And so maybe you need to talk to the Lord about cutting off dead things. And maybe you need to talk to him about pruning back the good things. Maybe you are in your hidden years and the Lord is telling you not to despise your hidden years with him as he is pruning you back so that you can be fruitful. So Lord, we offer you now all the glory, Lord, as we sing your name, as we lift you up. God, we say, Jesus, it is all about you. Would you reorient us that our first goal, Lord, would be to remain in you. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Paul, one of the producers of the Land of Hope podcast. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.